Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with a Liverpool off-season update. We're joined by Zach Forster, who, of course, you can find on Twitter at Zach Forster underscore. Zach, pleased to have you back on. Uh, plenty uh, to talk about Liverpool at the moment. Um, we'll start a little bit before... Uh, the Champions League final will go chronologically here. Um, the start to the uh, trip to Kiev was a very rough one for many Liverpool supporters as flights were being canceled, people were trying to figure things out. I saw a, a supporter that had been to every Liverpool final in his lifetime wasn't able to make it to this one because of that. Um, what was your take on all of those issues leading into the final? Uh, yeah, I think um, it was just massively disappointing for everyone involved. Um Obviously, it all started with the Real Madrid um, fans potentially not attending around a thousand, um, deeming it too expensive basically to get there, which it probably was um, with the with the you know with the far eastern location, um, and then it just sort of moved on to Liverpool fans getting getting dumped on really. Um, obviously, the whole thing around around the witness based um, travel agency sort of organization that couldn't supply the the flights in the end to Kiev was was really disappointing but it's um I think it all comes down to, to how UEFA have planned it I mean in the end um by all accounts people who made it to Kiev really enjoyed the experience it looks amazing on Twitter and you know on, on the news when you were looking at it but in terms of actually accessing um Kiev it seemed like a logistical nightmare from the beginning and I feel as if the, the final shouldn't be that far out. I mean, obviously, UEFA have to plan these things years in advance, so they didn't know that two teams from sort of like the Western side of Europe were going to get into the final. Um, so if, if two teams from Ukraine and Russia sort of got to the final, it would have been great. But it, getting that many fans... Because it obviously was, it was more than sixteen thousand fans each that travelled over. Especially Liverpool, there was probably closer to thirty. Getting all those people out there is an absolute nightmare, and it just seems like UEFA need to think this through a bit, a bit more logically. Obviously, it was absolutely great. Um, the match went down, as far as I know, without a hitch. The concert beforehand looked amazing. All the fan parts looked really good. Apparently, Shevchenko Park was absolutely awesome. But yeah, for me, I feel like it, the the venue just needs to be thought of a little bit, a little bit more logically because, by all accounts, Kiev was quite difficult to get to. Yeah, certainly there were a lot of problems surrounding that, uh, but uh, fortunately, a lot of Liverpool fans did end up going there for the final, um, which ended up being pretty crazy. Uh, what what were your nerves like heading into that match? I'm not gonna lie, I was I was quite I don't know if it was confident I was nervous when I woke up in the morning of the game but sort of like traveling there because I, I traveled over to, to Liverpool to watch the game um there was there was absolutely no chance of me affording a uh, going to Kiev although I would have absolutely loved to um so yeah we me myself my brother a friend and a couple of cousins we went across to Liverpool to watch the game um I wasn't sort of like overly nervous as I've got older I've sort of like push the the anxiety to one side kind of um so yeah I don't know if I was I don't think I was being overconfident because I definitely didn't expect to beat Real Madrid in the European final 
But I don't know. I just didn't have any nerves, if that makes sense. It's weird. I wasn't here nor mm. there. I was just sort of like looking forward to the game and like the event and having a few drinks with like, you know, good friends. Yeah, it sounds like it was definitely a good time for those that both stayed home and actually got to make it all the way over. Uh, next up, we'll just get into the match. Obviously, did not go uh, the way you would have wanted. Um, what, what did you make of the match? Um, it was a real. It was really strange having rewatched the game. Well, a lot of the game. I haven't watched the full game, but I've watched so, certain individual highlights and all, and the BT highlights and stuff. So I've seen like quite a lot of the game a second time and third time it was I found myself sort of missing moments when I rewatched it I was sort of like I was like god did that actually happen and it was just because like I think I was just so stressed at, at the time I was sort of missing things but I, as I saw the game I thought Liverpool bedded into the game really well as as we have in in big games all season and Real Madrid sort of looked like they were struggling um, to, to contain us and maybe not contain us but th- we were sort of flexing causing a few problems in those first 30 minutes and we definitely had the better of the play I think I saw a stat from him it's called Dan Kenny on, on Twitter um, I think it was like 8-2 on shots um, only 1-0 on, on target shots I think it was from Trent, from Trent Alexander-Arnold and sort of the touches in the box Liverpool were completely dominant in and I, I thought I thought I thought there was going to be um, an opener from from us to be honest, but then, yeah, the game for me the game just completely changed when Salah uh, became injured. Obviously, the, the reasons we conceded were not because our star winger and star player was not on the pitch, but it was it just seemed to. At first, it looked like, it sort of looked like it made us drop ten yards deeper, and it also encouraged Marcelo on their on their left hand side to to push forward mm. and. He, he he didn't need to fear Lallana causing him any problems. He's probably he's definitely not 100% match fit. And to be honest, the drop in quality when Lallana comes onto the pitch for one of our front three is dramatic. So, um, yeah, if, when, when I saw Lallana coming on, I thought it might be okay, it might be okay, like sort of thinking the best. But I think looking back, that, that was a massive turning point. Then Real Madrid dominated the rest of the first half. And, yeah, um, the second half was just littered with weirdness <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was um there's obviously been a lot of um stuff brought up around the the way in which Salah was hurt uh what was your view of that injury do you think it was intentional or do you think it was just kind of in the act of play I have to I have to be completely honest and stick with my guns I I completely believe that Ramos has, has injured Salah deliberately I, I I'm not saying that Ramos is um thought if I do this he definitely will harm his shoulder and he will have to go off and he'll be out for the rest of the game definitely but at the very very least Ramos is thinking okay I've I've, I've won the ball I'm winning this duel I'm gonna leave something on him and obviously that has been done since football began you know over 100 years ago that's absolutely fine but the man Sergio Ramos I've disliked for many years, so I am biased in this, I will admit. But he's just a nasty man on the pitch. He'll do anything to win. And sort of like the faces and the gestures he was making after Salah had sort of gone off and when he was going off, I'm just, it just leaves a bit of taste in the mouth. And obviously the reputation of the man precedes him. He's a good player, but as a man on the football pitch, I think he's, I think he's horrendous. And then 
the rest of the game, the dive, like the, the play acting with Mane to get booked and yeah, it's just, um, and then the elbow to carry us as well. I, I can't believe you wait for out looking into that further. I mean, I know they, I know they've looked into it and decided not to, um, retrospectively punish, but yeah, that that's as blatant as it gets. It, it, it's Sergio Ramos, of course, it's blatant. So yeah, as you can tell, I'm, I'm still quite, quite uh, bitter towards, towards the man. Yeah, I mean, neutrals um, certainly should not be surprised that Sergio Ramos has done this in the past. It just depends on if you're a uh, true neutral like him or are against him. I, I mean, uh, they yeah. find a way to win. You know, yeah. in England, when it happens, a lot of times it's called cheating the ref or, um, you know, foul play or anything like that. But as you said, they they win a lot. And that is one of the methods uh, used by Sergio Ramos to win. But do agree. It, <laughs> these kinds of incidents have not surrounded him his whole career uh, by chance. <laughs> Where I will leave that on my take on it. Um, you mentioned, uh, obviously, that Salah missing isn't why Lloris Karius um, had his struggles and goal. Yeah. Pr- pretty inarguably the worst game of his career. Uh, definitely yeah. since joining Liverpool. Um what do you feel towards Lloris Karius following that match? Obviously, a lot of people got uh, on his skin. Every fan base has the worst bits of it. I'm not trying to say that Liverpool fans as a whole were like that, but obviously there were some uh, threats to his life, his family, yeah. stuff like that. Obviously, I know you don't feel that way, but, but what were your feelings towards Lloris Karius after that match? Was it sympathy, anger? Just what were you feeling after that? Um, Straight away after the game and sort of like, I sort of like switched off whilst I was travelling back. Um, and then when I sort of like got in bed, um, you know, everything settled down. <clears throat> I ended up taking to Twitter and getting emotional, as I often do. Um, if, if anyone listening follows me, you may have seen it before. And I was sort of just like saying, Chris's mistakes were obviously inexcusable and I just felt horrendous for the rest of the team. Like, I felt so sorry for them. Like the, the performances they've put in to get there, Especially the front three. I mean, it's been like this for a long time. We've we've had like sort of like these star players who put in these great performances, and then like one week link or two week links will let them down. It goes back to sort of like Torres, Alonso, Gerard, Mascherano. Goes right all the way through to Salah, Coutinho, Firmino. So that sort of feeling continued. Obviously, I feel like Carries has let everyone down. But then as I settled in, um, as I thought about it a bit longer, I just feel so sorry for him. I mean. It's the biggest game of his career. It might be the biggest game of his entire career. I know he's only, he's only and he's only 24 years old, so he's a young guy. He's, young, he's younger than he's younger than myself, and I know that. I mean, he it's obviously magnified massively for a professional footballer. But I know how those mistakes can sort of just like make you feel awful, and I can't even imagine what it feels like to make a mistake like that when there's so many people watching. Um, it, yeah, I just ended up feeling so so sorry for him. I, I kind of wish that he could sort of just get back on the horse and come back fresh next Instead season. Instead of having and, a whole off season. Yeah, yeah, sort of like yeah, either that, like get straight back into a game, or maybe go away with Germany or or, or whatever, and and sort of like just just move on. But I feel like that's not going to happen, and. I'd love it if he was still the number one next season, simply because he's made some really vital saves, and I feel like he's got he can really improve. David de Gea wasn't amazing; he was obviously great when he was twenty four, but he wasn't the keeper that he is now. Um, so I kind of wish I wish he could just move on and be number one. But 
if someone said to me, Zach, tomorrow Jurgen Klopp can sign, you know, Allison for 70 million, would you say yes or no? I'd say, I'd just say yes. But I feel bad saying it because mm. I really, I really want him to still do well at Liverpool, uh, carriers. So, yeah, it's one of those. I think, I think a lot. It's a, it's a combination of inexperience and the fact that he's Jurgen Klopp's goalkeeper. I mean, Shaka Islop actually. Um, I read quite an interesting piece that he said um, for ESPN, um, and he was sort of saying that both goals are, are basically caused by Carrius wanting to like engage the play straight away again so mm. like obviously he's trying to roll the ball out to Lovren quickly to get Real yeah, Madrid under the cosh yeah. again and he's not he's just not checked normally a keeper will look left look right and look behind and then sort of like get on with it but he's not he's just like I mean Benzema he obviously still sees him he's right next to him but yeah he, he just he's not made sure and he's not fully concentrated he's just he's more worried about getting the play on again um, whereas sometimes you've got to look after the basics, and then the ba- the bail shot, um, Hislop was sort of saying that his feet, are, he he sort of thinks that looking at Carrie's feet, that he wants to sort of like catch the ball and then or like bounce it down, you know, like as the ball comes to him and then catch it, mm. so, so that he can then like sprint out and like get the ball moving again with with one of the defenders. And having looked at it again, I kind of agree with him, and the inexperience just comes in because. When, when Gareth Bale shoots, the ball changes direction about four times. I'm not saying it did when it, on that shot because it seemed to be quite straight, but it was dipping. So and it always comes me, at pace. That was actually not to yeah. cut you off. That was something I was thinking of: is how many Premier League players are unleashing a shot from there that's going to have that much power and swerve on it? Yeah, like like that might be so. one of the first times he's seen that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not excusing him. He should save it, and the first one, it shouldn't be a goal either, but. Just, 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 yeah. I think that's what it is, and he's, and his inexperience has, has just caught him out. Just save it. I don't care where it goes. Just save it. An and, optimist would say he mm-hmm. won't make that mistake again. Yeah, exactly, and uh, hopefully not. And that's where I say inexperience. Now he's he ho- hopefully he's learned that now, and um, it won't happen to him again in his career. So yeah, yeah. and I, Let, I think that's a huge part of development. Is uh, you know, it's it's easy to forget the things that you've done well. It's very hard to forget the things that have been as catastrophic as that. So, yeah, uh, you know, hopefully he's the kind of person that will take it on and and as we said, never make mistakes like that again. Unfortunately, with goalkeepers, we've we've also seen them have kind of tender temperaments at times. And uh, I totally agree with you. I, hopefully, he will be able to uh, get past this and move on. And hopefully, it's for Liverpool. But as you said, uh, I don't think Liverpool is a club after that performance can ignore external possibilities. Like they may not pursue them, but yeah. you know, it, it's certainly their duty to look into it. Um, all right. We will leave that individual match there. Uh, we didn't get to do this when we had um, uh, Dave on previously, because your season was not over. Now with the whole season completed for you, both English and European campaigns done. Uh, what did you make of Liverpool season on the whole? Um, this has been the most enjoyable season I've ever watched of Liverpool since I started supporting them. Mm. Um, probably since I was like eight or whatever. Um, yeah, I've absolutely loved it. Um, watching from watching the second leg of the City game in Austria on, on a ski holiday, surrounded by Liverpool and City fans, to going to Liverpool for the final and celebrating when we're beating Brighton. And like all the all the positivity around that, um, 
we've got the top four again. We've solidified <clears throat> sort of solidified our place in the Champions League. Um, the campaign to get to the final is definitely not going to notice. I think um, I think it's really put us back on the map in terms of um, foreign fans. Um, players in in other leagues um, that maybe don't get to see the Premier League all the time. Um, I think it just helps us with that recruitment and and hopefully we can follow um, follow the trend that we're setting with players such as um, Keita, Van Dijk, um, Salah, Mane and then obviously just now F- uh, Fabinho. So I think, and, and the money it's obviously gained as well. I mean, getting to the final of the Champions League gets you a hell of a lot of money. And so does qualifying again. So, yeah, it was in a really good way. The fan base is united. Everyone loves the manager. Um, it's just, we were just a bad day, didn't we, on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, uh, some team has during every final. Um, so, no uh, no hard feelings there, hopefully. Um, next, you, you just mentioned him, Fabinho. This is one of the quickest high-profile signings I may have ever seen. I know Tottenham yeah. did one like this with uh, Nasser Chadley uh, when he was leaving the Eredivisie, but these are slightly different um, levels there. <laughs> um, first of all, how do you think that Liverpool kept this under wraps for so long? Because it sounds like negotiations had been going on for a while and that even Firmino had been involved, and you assume he wouldn't have been involved this week uh, with the final coming up. Yeah, um... I, 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 truly, I have no idea how they've kept it this quiet. Um, apparently, negotiations have been ongoing since February, which is obviously, you know, at least three months then. Um, it seems like, um, you know, Michael Edwards has just been a, a very busy boy. And um, it's really good to see that Liverpool have learned from the whole Van Dijk saga from last season. Obviously, Southampton um, were understandably very angry with um you know with certain details coming out too early um and then obviously Red Bull Leipzig just took us to town with Cater and yeah that was that was just as embarrassing in my opinion so yeah it's good to see that they've learned from the mistakes but honestly no idea how they kept it this quiet um first I heard of it yesterday I was just playing on my Xbox and opened, opened and there's a couple of French journalists saying that Fabinho's on the brink of Liverpool so and then a, a couple of games later and and he's wearing red so <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I've never seen anything like it. Um, even on sort of like the final day of, of transfer windows, this is it, it's almost unheard of. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. It was it was almost just about an hour from the first uh, report from yeah. uh, I think it's Mohamed Bofasi. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. With RMC, and then <laughs> an hour later, there he is. We're in his uh, Liverpool kit doing the whole uh appearance video which very much looked like much of your pr time had started their vacation on sunday but (laughs) you know uh, obviously you'd much rather have the player in and announced um he's obviously a very versatile player a very good young player who should fit in with klopp well where do you think he will fit in though obviously he can play as a central midfielder or a defensive midfielder he's even played some right back uh where do you think he'll be most utilized um i think in terms of my first, as soon as I heard about the the potential signing and then obviously the confirmation, my first thoughts turned to Liverpool maybe changing shape to four two two two, and Fabinho being in sort of like the double pivot with um, with Naby Keita, so that'd be the DM. Um, 
if that's the case, then I think um, we'll see Fakir joining him as well at some point, and then Mane, Firmino, and Salah completing the other three spots. Um, if it's if if it was to be the same shape as this season, so four three three, I think it'd be DM again. Um, but um, very much filling in at, at fullbacks, sort of like in trans, in defensive transition, um, because obviously we we know he's got um, good experience. Um, at Champions League level and, and um, the French uh, top division um, at right back, so um, yeah, very versatile. Um, sort of like, sort of like say, better James Milner in, in some respects because you know with the multiple positions that they can fill in the squad. Um, it means you don't have to go out and buy two specialists, sort of thing. Um, it's really, it just looks a great sign on paper. Apparently, um, he runs close to twelve kilometers on average per game, which is incredible. Um, and uh, uh, Simon Brundish I saw on um, Twitter said in the in X amount of years I'm not entirely sure how many years it was but he's only missed 3% of the games and that's obviously a great figure for someone who's so athletic and so dynamic and you know is um, he's so good at sort of dribbling at pace and running hard so and going into tackles hard as well because obviously he's got a bit of bite to him he's not scared of picking up yellow cards Um so yeah, it's good to see that he stays fit as well. I, th- I think it's a great sign. I'm really happy with it. I think the fee is quite reasonable as well, especially to uh, apparently take him off Manchester United. Um, sort of, sort of thing is um, a little sweet bonus. <laughs> Certainly is. Um, then basically, as soon as the kind of whirlwind of signing him faded, there were already journalists saying that it sounds like there will be another player added this week. Uh, kind of rumors abound that it could be Nabil Fakir. Do you think that's who it will be? And if so, how do you think he'd fit in? Um, I, I don't know. In terms of how he'd fit in, I think, um, as I said just then, uh, it, it possibly four two two two, and he and he'd play sort of like right attacking mid, Mane left attacking mid, then Salah Firmino sort of up front. Could also be four two three one um, with Fakir coming off either side. Um, if it's four three three, then it'll be Keita and Fakir in the eights with with Fabinho in the six. Um, hopefully, he, he can be brought in. It'd be absolutely amazing. But I, it seems like he's taking his time with this one. Obviously, Leon's his, his boyhood club. He doesn't want to rush into any decision. It kind of looks like it's the right time for him to leave and sort of like branch out and take the next step in his career. Um, so I think I think he will end up leaving. Um, whether it's before the World Cup or not, it seems like he wants to do it after the World Cup. But the rumours aren't going away that it's going to happen before. Um, I, I think it'd be a great signing. I'd, I'd love, to, I'd love to see him um, in Liverpool red. Um, but yeah, it, I can't see it being anyone else this week. If there is another signing, I mean, Allison's obviously away with Brazil, and Fakir's obviously with France. But yeah, it's, it's just mad. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, Fabinho. It literally just happened over the course of about sixty minutes, so could um it could be, it could be this week. I hope it is. Yeah, uh, well, you discussed a uh, goalkeeper. Obviously, Fabinho's already brought in. Fakir is being rumored. Any other uh, positions that you think Liverpool need to sort out this summer? Um, it'd be nice if we could sign a top class right centre back. Um, Lovren's performances over the season have improved since Spurs sort of like dismantled him. Um, and he was he was probably our best player in the Champions League final. He, he, I thought he played really well. Um, didn't really give anything away. Got the assist for Mane. Um, yeah, played superbly. 
but yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice if we could get a really top quality right centre back, um, and then maybe goalkeeper, and then Fakir um, for the midfield. Potentially, I mean, I expect us to lose Danny Higgs and, and Danny Sturridge, so whether I don't know whether we'd bring um, Divock Origi back in, and then maybe promote a young striker like Brewster when he comes back from his injury, or if we'd sign another striker and move a region as well as the other two. Um, so maybe a striker, but I, I, I wouldn't be um, unhappy if we didn't sign a striker so long as we sort of like brought Sturridge or Origi back into the mix. But I think Sturridge's time's, uh, time at Liverpool is coming to an end. Um, so it, it'd probably be Origi. And then Solanke backing up like he has this season. Hopefully he can be more productive um, next season. But yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe um, saying... I was going to say a, um, a sub a sub winger, so so the quality doesn't drop too much if if Mane or Salah has to take time out. But if we, if we were to sign Fakir, then he could probably come into that category, um, maybe playing a little bit more narrow. But yeah, and maybe Harry Wilson's out on loan at Hull as well. He'll he'll be back, and I hope he gets some first team minutes too. So um, that that that'd do me fine. <laughs> uh, Fabinho, uh, Fakir, and Allison, that's fine. <laughs> Yep, that'll do. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thanks so much, Zach, for coming on. No, the beginning was painful, but obviously, I uh, hope in the second, and assuming that's probably why Liverpool uh, are pushing out these uh, transfers now. Um, tell the folks where they can find you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Zach Forster underscore. Um, you'll find my Liverpool musings and World Cup musings ahead uh, for the next month or so. I apologize for my throat today, by the way. It's been it's been a bit gone since Saturday after all the singing. <laughs> no problem. Uh, Thanks for having me on anyway. Yeah, absolute pleasure having you on. I'm sure we'll speak soon. Yep. Cheers, Mum. See you.